0: So now I say again if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Galatians is my favorite book of the Bible. The reason is because it is so saturated with the gospel towards Christians. I have regularly experienced both in my own heart and the lives of other Christians, the view that the gospel is something primarily for unbelievers. Once I've received it, I move on to something else, to become more mature in the faith. Paul would disagree with this tendency of ours. As Christians, we tend to drift back so easily to finding our worth in what we do, instead of what Christ has done. And we see in today's passage, Paul begins the letter towards this very issue. If you are familiar at all with Paul's letters, they often follow a very similar pattern. He opens with a greeting and then moves to some encouraging words for them. He then usually identifies a specific problem the church is having and then reroutes them in how the gospel addresses that. Finally, he provides application or practical advice of how they might live in light of the gospel, motivated by it. However, in this letter, he totally skips the encouragement part. This should really catch our attention. Heck, even in the first letter to the Corinthians, he says right in the beginning that they are sanctified in Christ Jesus. And yet he will later address an issue with incest in the church. I mean, somebody is sleeping around with their mother-in-law. In In terms of what seems more serious to me, sleeping with your mother-in-law or floating away from the gospel, one would think that the Corinthian church's problem would be the one he would address right out of the gate. One would think that for the sake of this church's witness, They take care of that moral issue first. But not so with Paul. The gospel is too important, too precious. He says that this different gospel isn't even a gospel at all. Twice in a row, he says that those who preach this different gospel should be cursed, or, as other translations say, condemned. He doesn't use that back to back technique often. That is how important this is. Paul wants to be explicitly clear. To move away from the gospel as the foundation of who Christ says you are, and to move to something else, to begin to think my identity before God is found in what I do or don't do, that, to Paul, appears to be the most grievous error you can make. And the reason for this is because it makes God out to be a liar. It says that my acceptance before him is based on something other than the cross. I've seen a lot of wonderful strides from the church. I don't normally hear them preaching salvation by works. The initial entry door into Christianity seems to be pretty consistent. You are saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. And yet, it is after that message that things go awry. This is when preaching and teaching and ministry messages change to, yes, now you're saved, but to be really sure there are these things you have to do. You have to respond to the gospel with your actions. And listen, it isn't always this explicit and this easy to see. It is often very subtle. Sometimes the preacher doesn't even know they're making people's hearts sink down into their stomach, that people are beginning to question their salvation. The key is whether the message crushes the people or brings them hope, and ultimately, what the preacher leaves the people with. Years ago, I went to a men's conference, and unfortunately, these types of conferences have a dubious reputation for sort of yelling at you all weekend for how bad you are to try to motivate you to be better. I remember one specific message in which the preacher was much more explicit regarding people questioning their salvation. He was so fear-based in his message. He kept asking, are you really a Christian? Look at your life. And because of this, my dad began to question afterwards whether or not he was really saved. I don't want to go into a huge story with my dad, but suffice to say, he was a hard man when my brothers and I grew up. I remember one Thanksgiving, dad and I got into a shouting argument that culminated in him yelling at me, you think that if I don't believe like you, I will go to hell. And I told him yes. He kicked me out of the house for that part of Thanksgiving. And yet, a few years later, God met my dad and saved him. He softened his heart and God had been doing amazing things to quiet his soul and to bear fruit in his life. There had been this complete 180 degree turn for my dad. He couldn't explain it apart from the Holy Spirit. And yet, here he was questioning his salvation. I was so frustrated with the preacher that day. The problem for the preacher was not that he caused people to feel a great deal of weight. It's okay to allow the law of God to crush sinners. The problem was what he then turned our eyes to for hope and assurance of salvation. He turned us to our own good works. Those did not save us in the past. How could they possibly keep us in the good graces of God? The Galatians here had been tricked by other teachers into thinking there were certain old Jewish rituals that needed to continue to be followed. Otherwise, you weren't actually a Christian. It is amazing how similar we are today. Whether it's our moral purity or some sort of current social justice cause, Christians are constantly attaching things to the gospel to decipher whether or not they are a true Christian. We are constantly doing what the Galatians were fooled into doing, judging our continued standing with God based on what we do or don't do. This is not only a different gospel, but no gospel at all. It is not good news. It is absolutely, utterly exhausting news. It is news that kills. It is not news that gives life. We are held firmly in place, not by our works, but Christ's. We are made righteous, not by our good deeds, but Christ's. We are sanctified not by the sweat dripping down our brow, but the blood dripping down the cross. Your word of encouragement today is simple. You don't need to move to anything else to know you're secure in Christ. You can sit and rest in the gospel.